Slavo, today we are talking about, we are going on a journey with Buzz Nation about Robin Williams. I'm just, I'm curious, did your perception of him before, you know, you did the research, you did the reading, followed the Wikipedia links, did your perception change from before you did the research to now? I would say the memories that I had in my head of Robin Williams were boldened by my research about how brilliant of a actor he was and how brilliant of a comedian he was and just how immensely talented he was in basically everything that he did. I I think it just made me think that much more of him. Yeah, absolutely. So you had a nice vision of Robin Williams Mm -hmm. and then this really brought out the color in that vision I agree. He is like an exceptional talent, like a one of one. Anyone who watches him perform is like, wow, this guy has talent. This guy is special. This guy's a little goofy. He's he's a generational talent. He is and not like a generational talent. Like you go on TV and they just say, oh, this person's a generational talent, but there's a new generational talent every year. He was really a star amongst stars in in everything that he did. Yeah, so unique. And yet, I found his upbringing to be a little interesting. So it started, he was born July 21st, 1951 in Chicago. He is an only child and wealthy. His father's like a higher up at Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not what I expected. And and, I mean, he has like stepbrothers who he lives with throughout, but like this kind of wealthy only child, Bruce Wayne style upbringing was a little surprising to me. Very Bruce Wayne style upbringing. Also, interestingly, he has one paternal half brother and one maternal half brother. Nice. Love it. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. It's always good to have balance in your life. Um, he was bullied and overweight as a child also again just like kind of interesting his parents weren't too involved it sounded like they were very busy and he was dyslexic so you know just you know like what's going on here robin williams this is just a classic recipe for a comedian yeah things change he's 16 he moves to california starts doing drugs marijuana uh, you know, that kind of becomes his outlet, his his crowd, and he joins the drama club. So now we're starting to see like, OK, this is starting to make sense. This is the comedian Robin Williams. He gets a voted class clown and he gets voted the least likely to succeed. So he's a funny guy. And obviously he succeeds beyond, you know, everyone's wildest imaginations. How strong do you think the correlation is between class clown and least likely to succeed do you think that happens if you run that yearbook 20 years how many times do you think the same person wins both probably probably 12 to 15 right oh dude so many 80 percent of the time the class clown is also the least likely to succeed like the most likely to succeed i envision a guy in a suit and just he's not that funny like if you're the most likely to succeed you're kind of boring you're kind of a noob but why is that? Why is being a class clown associated? Well, I mean, I guess it's because you're not 
I, I think in high school, you're, the humor is probably oriented around not caring about school and yeah. sticking yeah. a middle finger to the establishment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're funny, if that's your thing, it's tough to succeed on just that. Like there's not many star comedians, star comedy actors. It's just, it's just not likely, you know, if, if you were going to bet, if you're putting your vote in the yearbook and you're going to put money on someone and you get a return on their investment, they make, you're going to pick the guy in the suit. It's a little bit safer. They're going to go, you know, climb the corporate ladder, you know, make a good living and you're going to get a little money on it. However, if you were risky and you put all your money on Robin Williams and it just fucking blows up, then you, you would have made bank. But, you know, it's a mm-hmm. risky investment to think the class clown is going to succeed Extremely. financially anyway. I think in high school, people are probably giving most likely to succeed to the person who went to the best or is going to the best college. So mm-hmm. at my high school, it was somebody who was going, I think it was somebody who was going to Yale and I don't know, somebody else who was going to some other Ivy League. So if you win that, that means you're going to an Ivy League school. I mean, you went to a private school college, but I went to a public school. I'm kind of, um, nobody was thinking I was going to be the most likely to succeed. That's for sure. Unlike uh, people, people like you went to private school. first. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this, is, this is coming from a kid whose parents own a boat, as we discovered in the last <laughs> episode. Hey, do you know do you know what varying levels of boat you can own? <laughs> Boats go from anywhere from free to hundreds of millions of dollars. Just ask, ask Jeff Bezos. How many dinghies could he buy? This is true. And for and for the record, um, I only went to private school because it was equivalent pricing as the public school. And I was offended. I was like, public school, give me a little more money. But most likely to succeed right there. Pass scholarships yeah, yeah um and so the class clown robin williams he goes to claremont men's college and you know he's majoring in political science but it sounds like he's really putting his time into like acting the drama club like the green room at the school and then also stand-up comedy he's in california at this time Right, right, Slavo, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Threw that over to me. Yeah, he was in California. There was one story I read, and I was like, this kind of sums up the type of guy Robin Williams is. And this is, he's in California before he's famous or, you know, successful with a film or TV or anything. And some guy with a Corvette drives up to a stoplight and there's a girl in the car and they're like blaring music, having a good time. Mm. And Robin Williams just jumps on the back in the back seat of the Corvette with those two people, like puts his arms around them, starts gabbing. And then they like drive off. And this is all told from one of Robin's friends who was with him at the time. And is just like, what are you doing? But yet this is Robin Williams. He's just this goofy guy who can pull things off and just like, Bring so much levity and, and like funniness to the situation and just hopping in the back of Corvettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's so cool. That's just such a cool move. Who does that? He's so cool, but he's so like awkward. Cool. Yeah. Goofy. Cool. Yeah. He's not like Snoop Dogg smooth or something, but 
Um, yeah. And so at college, he also notably landed a key role in the Oliver play. And I think people even like wrote about it, how, you know, the, the local papers picking up on this talent and he goes to Juilliard school, which is in New York, New York city, the beast, the beast. And for people, people who are maybe unfamiliar with the theater industry as Paz and I are experts in it, the Juilliard school is the preeminent school for theater music the arts it's the number one place yeah very prestigious juilliard like when you say it it's like oh wow oh yes the juilliard school sending little daphne to the juilliard school where she will play violin on first chair of the met theater oh not only does he go he goes on a full ride and I think he interviewed with them and the people were kind of blown away. Just like he's got a lot of raw talent. Yeah. His act, his pure acting chops were just unmatched. Yeah. And um, at, at Juilliard, Juilliard, a lot of people like to point out, this is when he meets and befriends Christopher Reeve. Mm. Also who, a great actor. Yeah, also a phenomenal actor. I mean, it's Juilliard. They just, they pump out things happen. the best talent. Yeah, so he played Superman, friend of Robin Williams, and later in life, obviously later in life, he plays Superman. And, and after that, um, he felt, falls off a horse, hits his head. They had to like reattach his skull to his spine and just that surgery alone had a 50% survival rate. So some very drastic serious awful stuff and a, a common story is later on robin visits him robin like shows up in scrubs and you know improvises does a little bit and christopher reese says this is the first time he's smiled since the incident wow just another example of robin williams kind of bringing like joy and laughter to people's lives when they need yeah. it most and him and Christopher Reeve was in his class at Juilliard, and they, those two, were selected to be in an even more elite, accelerated program within their accelerated class. It was, well, uh, not to get too far ahead, but he only is at Juilliard for a couple of years, right? Yeah. So he, he ends up like leaving, and um, I think he wants to pursue stand up. You know, he may have left for other reasons. It just, it wasn't a perfect fit. And well, the professor, what I read was that the professor said to him, his mentor said after two years at Juilliard, that there was nothing more that Juilliard could teach him. Wow. Yeah. That he had already learned everything he needed to learn to go and succeed. So that was when he left. Wow. How bold of a statement. You go to the most prestigious acting school in the world, and they're just like, no, you have everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. The prodigy becomes the teacher. And so he goes back out to California and pursues acting, you know, doing the whole like, hey, I'm out here in L.A. trying to make it big. And during this time, he meets a girl. Her name is Valerie. And... I believe this was Valerie. The first time he met her, he did a French accent. 
And he was just like playing a French character because this is who Robin Williams is. And the whole first meeting, it wasn't till later on that Robin Williams was like, yeah, so like not actually French. I had somebody do that to me when I was in college. It really pissed me off. (laughs) He did a British accent. And then I found out a week later that he wasn't British at all. And he had just been doing an accent on me. I felt very duped. Yeah, so it was a pretty good accent then. You were you were buying it. It was pretty good. Maybe that was part of the reason that it annoyed me was because I I had been <laughs> I had fallen for it. But yeah, it was a pretty solid accent. Yeah, I imagine French is even tougher to pull off. And like, how does this start like a trusting relationship? I mean, Robin Williams probably kind of has a cop out where he can be like, "I was practicing for a role. This is method acting." Mm-hmm. But I don't even think it was. I think it was just. Robin Williams just like being a goofball, having fun, using a French accent. Yeah, it's definitely tough, but I think maybe if you get to know him just a little bit, you kind of understand that he he definitely seems to be one of those always on. Oh yeah, where he's just always doing a bit. Yeah, at all times. And have you ever watched any of his stand up? He's very. Um, like he's all over the place. He does so many voices. He talks about politics. He can be super crude. He's like moving a lot. Like he'll be jumping up and down. And so if he's always on, then his mind is just racing like crazy. Yeah. his It's like he's on catnip. <laughs> so he gets a role on a TV show called happy days. And from what I heard, like one of the main producers, one of the, one of the big guys, his kid loves star Wars. And he's like, we need to get this angle in here. We need to get people from outer space. And thus is born the Mork character, which Robin Williams lands. Mm. And eventually this leads to the Mork and Mindy show. Uh, you know, people really liked his performances on happy days, a lot of potential with it. So he gets his own show. Mork and Mindy, where he is in the name and the lead actor, and it eventually crushes the rating. But even before that, he's making to do this show fifteen thousand dollars a week. So you know, a little back of the notebook math, sixty thousand dollars a month. You know, way back when it's like twenty million dollars a year. <laughs> um. It, essentially it, it's a huge number with a lot of zeros 12 times 6 is 72 720,000 yeah in that time just for wow. inflation <laughs> i'd say that's about beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop, beep, boop adjust that compounding interest take that from the year 1978 to 2021 i now present you 5.43 Two seven million euros before Sorry, taxes. My, my robot, my robot only goes in euros. So, yeah, surprise, it's not Bitcoin, but you know what do I know? How many uh, ETH? How many ETH did he make? <laughs> you want to okay. break it up with a? You want to break it up with a segment real quick? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. It's it's not a big segment. I just have a question. Yeah. Who who's your favorite stand-up comedian ever? Wow. If we had to do okay. a draft, if we had to make a Mount Rushmore, 
of stand-up comedians. Who would we put on it? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Do you want to do a draft style or should I just start listing? We could do a draft style. Okay. Snake, and this is snake draft. Yeah. This isn't family feud style where I'm trying to guess what everyone else is going to say, but my personal favorite oh, for stand up yeah. when he did just raw stand up, check it out. Tosh, Tosh.0. He does oh, yeah. like, I loved his stand up. You'll take that. We're, we're definitely going to skew very young with our stand up here. So people are going to hate it. I'm going to go with the dynamic duo of Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Just because I love Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. Wow. Let's I go. I love Chris Rock. So Dave Chappelle, I loved his old standup more so than what I like now. But I love mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for his style of standup. I love the like calm talk to me. I'm honestly, I'm not a big like Robin Williams, like do a performance and like sing and dance in front of me. That's not yeah. what I'm looking for. I, I do like how Dave Chappelle is like, he'll be like calm, calm, calm. And then I'll hit you with a punchline. Like, boom. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty funny. And I, I just, I don't know. I've always just found him so entertaining and I feel like he has such an interesting perspective on things. Um, yeah. And then Chris Rock, because he's just really funny. And ugh, come on, Madagascar, great movie. Uh, but okay, so for my next pick, Bill Burr. We're from the Northeast. We're suckers for a lot of people from the Northeast. But again, I love the talking. I think he's so funny. His anger is hysterical. And I just, I think like the stuff he says, he's, it's just, it just cracks me up. Yeah, it's love it. Okay, so I have one more. I'm debating between two, but I'll say Mitch Hedberg. And he's mm. another one of those like pretty interesting talents, very unique. Sometimes it takes me a second to get his jokes. I recommend anybody look him up on YouTube. He's very funny. Those one-liners yeah, are so good. I'm going to go with one on my next one because this is the person who pops in my head. They, they have the stand-up special that I've listened to the most of any stand-up special. Dane Cook. Wow, that is like the most controversial. Yeah, people hate him. Two name. People hate him, but I, I honestly thought he was like the the who fucking farted joke. That joke. When I think about stand up comedy, I just think about that joke. I actually can go back to back when I was mowing my parents' lawn on listening on Zune on a Zune. And I would listen to Dan Cup, Dan Cook, Dan, Dan Cook, <laughs> Dane Cook, stand up comedy. And I, I can still remember jokes. So maybe it's a nostalgia play for me. Yeah. So how old were you about when you're recalling the, form- this memory? the formative age, like 15? Okay. So I remember I was probably about like 11, 12. I was in the bus and someone had like an MP3 player and we like shared headphones and I listened to Dane cook and it was great. Um, yeah, it was perfect. I mean, if I went back and listened to him now, it probably wouldn't be as good, but in my personal history, Daniel Tosh was such a good snag by you. That's a good number one overall pick. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, 
like stick around. He doesn't like still do stand up. But I'm telling you, if you watch some of the ones he did in the past, like it just I just love it. I think it's hysterical. I have shown it to other people who did not, you know, n- did not vibe with it the way I did. Oh, Bo Burnham. I love his stuff so much. And when he plays the piano, that's the other thing. If you have a comedian who plays the piano, I'm such a sucker because words gives you like one emotion, but then the piano and the music, you start to vibe. Have you seen any of Bo Burnham's work? Yes, I have. And I kind of go the other way with the music. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I like my music and my comedy to be with each other, specifically the stand-up comedy. It's one thing with Weird Al, but even now I don't like Weird Al. I mean, Bo Burnham's big, but there hasn't been any like huge, huge, huge comedian that does the music. So I, it must be that most people feel the same way you do because Bo Burnham's as big as it gets that does the music, but he's definitely yeah, not just, that. Yeah. Top the tier. music just doesn't add anything to it for me. And anything else before we go back? No, that's it for me. Just wanted to chat about stand-up comedians before we got into TV. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, no, I'm going to take it, and I'm just gonna we're going to do a back-to-back segment here. Yeah, let's go. Um, so one thing that Robin Williams was very well known for was his impersonations. So I have oh, some boy. classic American characters or people that uh, – we can do impersonations of and people can let us know in the comments how horrible <laughs> they are because they're probably really bad i actually just want to hear your versions but i'm willing to give mine as well yeah i will say impersonations and accents i'm comically bad so hopefully our listeners enjoy my struggle well i'm comically bad at podcasting so <laughs> here comes the segment uh all right jerry seinfeld first name on my list what's the deal with airplane food peanuts <laughs> i don't want want peanuts <laughs> slavo is off the mic laughing at me that was uh, I think- actually horrible that was totally <laughs> oh see now i now i'm throwing myself off that was totally horrible what's going on what's with paz's accent People want to know why Air- is Jerry Seinfeld funny? Airplane food. Oh, see, now I feel like mine's comically bad. Okay. I even tried to pick people that I thought I could do. All right. Next up, Christopher Walken. How about you take this one? I need something to say. Also, trust tree here. I don't even know who this is. <laughs> I had a feeling. Is this like fa- fast? Based on your eyes. <laughs> a podcast is really good when you're you're buzzing biographies we're talking with significant breaks have you ever seen an actor that talks like this wow that was pretty good at the end i absolutely do purely because of your impersonation and not because i have his image up now i need more cowbell i need more cowbell you don't have to do that one if you don't want to because you didn't know him before 
I'll pass just because I don't even know what what to do there. Here's someone maybe you know who it is. Uh, Batman. Oh, let's go. Um, let me think of a classic Batman line. I want to just do Bane. I want to do like I was. Uh, we could do Bane. We could do Bane after. Um. All right. Wait. Batman oh, ooh, let's do role play. <laughs> yeah. Let's do. Really? So you be Batman and I'll be Bane. And then, and we don't have to just say quotes. Like you don't have to, we don't have to actually have a conversation, but it will be a conversation. And then we'll f- flip and then you, I'll be Batman. You, you'll be Bane. This is fantastic. Our listeners for a long time have begged that we do role play. My um, Batman accent is top shelf. Wow, setting the bar high. So, so you're Batman and I'm Bane. I'll, I can be Batman first if you want. Or, to be Bane. What do you want? It doesn't matter to me. I'm my Batman is like about to start coming out. That's where <laughs> I'm at. So I'll, I'll be Batman. Where's uh, Rachel? You merely adopted the darkness. I was born in the darkness. Where is the detonator? I'm Batman. You think darkness is your friend, but you merely adopted the darkness. I was born in it, molded by it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen that? Have you seen that YouTube video of the the guy being of the guy pretending to be Batman? And he's like, where are the drugs? <laughs> where are the drugs, fuckface? <laughs> That's what your pain sounds like. Wait, can you do your pain again? Um, grow stronger from the pain. <laughs> Don't let it destroy you. <laughs> do you feel in charge, Batman? That is the hardest I've laughed ever recording this podcast. That was the greatest impersonation. Oh my gosh. Give um, us your Batman. <laughs> Give it to us. We're going to role play. Give where, it to us. Where's the detonator? It's up yours. Bane. Where's Harvey Dent? He's in the bedroom. <laughs> You sure that's your Bane? Do you remember what Bane sounds like? (laughs) He's in handcuffs. Bent over. I don't know. I might need to watch a quick clip. Now, listen to my Bane. Now, you'll be Batman. And I'm guessing it's going to be the same voice. (laughs) Yeah. 100% going to be the same voice. (laughs) You merely adopted the darkness. I was born in it. Molded by it. Yeah, that's not. I should have done something better than like that. Anyways, okay. It's not who I am underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Does this sound familiar? (laughs) But what I do that defines me. Dude, it's the same exact voice. I know. I, I, I didn't mean for this to happen. But Batman, what will happen when Gotham 
is destroyed, and you are left to dance upon the ashes. All right, I'm going to try Bane again. I- I'm upset at myself. You uh, want to try another Bane? I merely adopted the darkness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, this is so good. This is just the... Uh, okay. Do you want to move on from Bane and Batman? It will give um, you a sore throat. Or do you want to try Bane <laughs> one more time? All right, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I will say, I think the Bane accent is the most badass accent. Yes. I completely agree. Um, do you have any ideas? Oh, so one I was thinking was Shaq. So like, so like I'm a sheriff, <laughs> but also a baller and a businessman. <laughs> what? Come on, that started out. Like, is that my best one? And so then at far? the end, you went like Southern drawl. You're like, and a businessman. <laughs> this is this is true. Who I dunk on dish? them fools because I'm big. What? Why is it like this? Why do you keep doing this with your mouth? Any accent, I just defer to southern accent. Um, what about Mr. T? I pity the fool. I pity the fool. That was pretty good. Counted. I think we can edit on that one. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> All right, I, I got one. What about do like uh, an Italian New York Yankee fan? This is just going to turn into my Christopher Walken. Go Yanks. The New York fucking Yankees are the best fucking baseball team in the whole fucking country. I dig it. What about uh, Conor McGregor? Fucking. Fucking right, brother. I'm going to fucking knock you out. I'm going to punch you right in the face. And then I'm going to go get some vodka and I'm going to drink it all over your dead body. I've got I've got a little bit in there. They're probably oh, all yeah. bad. I'll listen back to it and be like cringing the whole time. But no, yours are pretty good. Where like people can recognize them. Some of them you're pretty spot on. Yeah, mine. It's just, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. But all right, back to the life of Robin Williams. When he's on the Mork and Mindy show, he would do the show all day and then at night he would keep up his comedy his stand-up and he would go to the clubs and basically it sounds like a very hectic la lifestyle where he's busy doing show business all day then at night he's going to the comedy clubs and he's drinking and he's partying and he's doing cocaine living the fast life in the fastest place you can live your life hollywood Mm. yeah in the 80s, this Oof. is when things were popping off in Hollywood. Not that they're not now, but not compared to the 80s. Yeah, and there's no iPhones to capture all the crazy stuff you're up to. Also, so again, I found, found this kind of surprising where with Robin Williams, I always pictured this deep, sophisticated, goofy in my head, a lot of times I thought of him as his older self. So it's a little surprising to then work into 
my understanding of Robin Williams that, you know, he comes from this wealthy family. He is like living the partying Hollywood lifestyle at this young age. I think it's very much a thing that the first time I got a taste of Robin Williams was Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. And he was this almost familial parental figure in that. And it's, it's almost like when you think about your parents and you can't imagine your parents being younger, you can't imagine them being our age. It's that kind of thing with Robin Williams. I, I, I part of me just wants to keep him in his older version yeah, I think you're spot on. But that was how much of an impact he had on people our age. You know what I mean? And that wasn't even at the peak of his at, at the peak of his stardom. This was later on in his career, and he had such a huge impact throughout yeah. his entire career on people. Yeah, huge impact. And he's in so many stuff. Like when we start going through all the different movies he's in, it's like unbelievable but we will get there. And so while he's living up this nightlife, John Belushi, who I believe was on Mork and Mindy and was a f- good friend of Robin's. He was partying. Robin was with him that night. Robin leaves, you know, probably still at like 2 AM, 3 AM, whatever. And Belushi overdoses that night. I believe uh, heroin was found in his system. And so after this, Robin gets to the show the next day and they inform him and Robin is really hurt by this. I think his co-star Pam and a lot of people in his life know, you know, he's kind of also doing this party lifestyle and they're like, you need to learn from this. You can't let this happen to you. And I do think this was a big gut check time for Robin Williams. And he really stepped back the amount of, drugs he was consuming yeah i think yeah i think there were definitely some some high profile deaths around that time yeah uh, that that were big wake-up calls yeah and this one's obviously personal to him and i may have glossed over but in 1978 he married valerie did i mention that he married this girl he initially uh spoke to her to french accent the whole night and he eventually went on to marry her well you mentioned it now so closing the loop and so this happened a little bit ago and so while he is living this hollywood lifestyle he's also seen out with many girls and he's just having like numerous affairs not great not great and also the uh, the co-star of mork and mindy pam she comes out and later talks about how Robin, she says, like, as a joke and, like, just being his goofy self, he, like, gropes her and will touch her breast and her buttocks, her words, and he would, like, flash her. And But she said, um, which is obviously, like, inappropriate, but she said, yeah, um, but she said, like, he was so funny about it and he had this aura about him. So it was very kind of the Me Too-esque, and I don't think they pursued anything themselves um, intimately, and I don't think that is what happened. And she wasn't like overly offended by it, but again, it kind of surprised me because 
you think of like this great image of Robin Williams of this really deep, funny guy. You don't think about him as this like Hollywood playboy who is maybe taking advantage of his power and, you know, live in this, maybe I'll say like selfish life where you're kind of indulging in all these pleasures. Mm. Um, so it was a little surprising to comparing this to the image of this deep person. A lot of people know Robin Williams as in which I think, you know, he's bold. Yeah. He definitely grew up, but he definitely was young and reckless and did some things that were probably regrettable. And based on how he lived his life going on as he got older, he probably, he would probably say the same thing. Yeah. And so him and his wife, Valerie, and this is, you know, Mork and Mindy ends. And I think they start to live away from Los Angeles. And it was kind of like a get right moment. And he had his first kid, Zach, in the lead up to giving birth to Zach. He gets sober. And I believe, I don't know all the specifics, but I believe he's sober for a very long time, like 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. I believe starting at this point, I don't, I, I think they're talking about cocaine and alcohol, not just cocaine, but regardless, he's making big steps. And with his marriage with Valerie, it's kind of like a get right moment. Yeah, I think he, I mean, it's like sad data, but um, I think he ended up, relapsing in 2006 maybe on the set of a movie so much later yeah and when he was talking about that relapse i think he just started with he just saw like a jack daniels nip and he's like ah you know what's the big deal for one and then he explains like a couple weeks later he's got you know just like empty bottles everywhere and i think that his family really helped including zach his his, his first son um they really helped him get, get into rehab again later in his life in 2006. Mm. But so eventually Robin and Valerie divorce. A lot of it is because he's with, with other women and she wasn't into this hectic stardom life. And so they, they do split and Robin begins dating the nanny classic. Uh, but from what people say, it wasn't like he was dating the nanny and then they broke up. It was kind of him and Valerie split. Then when they're like separated, maybe not officially divorced, Robin starts this relationship with the nanny, Marsha and, and Robin's dad passes away. And Robin's dad at his like on his deathbed sounds like he really opened up to Robin and maybe apologized for not being as active when he was younger. Mm. Um, and Martha was there for him. And so anyways, he starts dating Martha very tabloidy you have the successful actor you know running off with the home wrecker quote unquote martha (laughs) this is um, the newspaper's words and very tabloidy again it was kind of surprising to hear this from robin williams because you know a lot of times you think of hollywood and it's uh multiple divorces and you know, it's just, it's probably very tough to maintain a relationship um, with that type yeah. of money and fame and demanding Definitely. jobs and access to so much stuff. Yeah. Being a Hollywood superstar and being in a successful marriage are two things that do not go well together. So it seems. And 
But then like, again, I think before this, I kind of had this image of Robin Williams as like this, you know, um, I wouldn't have guessed he had been through multiple marriages, but. Uh, with uh, Hollywood, I just assume people have been through multiple yeah. marriages. It's yeah. just kind of what they do. Yeah. It's like and, a career and... reboot. <laughs> okay, so his film debut was in 1977 in a movie called Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses? Not his most memorable one. And then he played Popeye. He was Popeye, and I don't think the movie did all that well, or that the critics didn't love the movie, but Robin Williams killed Popeye. And definitely, I feel like his first real big one was Good Morning Vietnam. How does it go? Good Morning Vietnam was his first big one. So can you do that impression? Good Morning Vietnam. I don't know. Is that a good impression? Better than what I would have done. I think we all can agree uh, to yeah, that. Yeah, looking at ones in between those, I don't recognize any of them. Yeah, Good, Good Morning Vietnam was his first big one because that one, I think he got nominated for something, right? 87, he was nominated for Best Actor in the Academy Awards for Good Morning Vietnam. 1989, he was nominated for Best Actor, again, for Dead Poets Society. And then in 1991, he was nominated for Best Actor for The Fisher King. And I've actually never heard of that movie. I if I if it is what I'm thinking it is it's like talking about this like homeless man who has this whole reality where he like thinks he's the king I could be wrong um after that he is the genie in Aladdin another iconic movie an iconic role mm. Slavo previously mentioned Miss Doubtfire fantastic film where he dresses up as a nanny in order to see his kids more, which he in in the divorce settlement, he didn't get as much time with his kids as he would like. So he dresses up as a nanny just to see his kids more. Yeah. Pretty classic movie that came out in 1993 and yeah, really just a great film. And also worth mentioning in Aladdin, there was this huge controversy where and I think it was Aladdin. He didn't, uh, Robin Williams didn't want Disney to advertise and market using his voice. And there are all these rules, like he couldn't take up more than 25% of an image, a marketing poster. Eventually Disney just kind of disregarded this and was using his voices as the genie. And it became this big stink. And, uh, you know, it was very personal between Robin and people in the, in Disney and eventually Disney tries to write it and fix how uh, kind of this going back on their agreement. And they gave Robin Williams a million dollar Picasso painting. Yeah. He, so after the first one, they, they crossed him. They went against the agreement that they made with him and then he refused to be in the sequel. And then the, the, the Disney head, the one that, crossed him ended up getting fired and then the new person came a new person came in and was and made it right with him so robin williams was you could argue he was bigger than disney mm-hmm. bigger than jesus potentially uh another thing he was in a big one that he was in before right before he was in aladdin was hook oh like captain hook yeah 
Dude, just all these like super iconic roles in movies. Cook, the genie, Popeye. A little something he... called Jumanji. Yeah, ever heard of it? And oh, I feel like we kind of glossed over. So they just gave him a painting as like a sorry about that. Like, what is that not just a weird move? Like, why wouldn't you just give him money or like, what's up with this? Like Picasso painting. I think it's just a way to give somebody something that's worth a certain amount, but it, it almost feels cooler to give him something that's not just money. It's like what they do with these college football coaches. It's like, all right, we're going to give you $10 million and we're going to buy you a house and we're going to buy your house. And like, they could just give him more money but they don't they do all these other things so that's what i'm guessing it was a little bit to make it seem like he was getting a sweeter deal deal yeah yeah it's a good point when you give someone a gift you know there's something to be said for the actual thought of the gift versus just the cash and giving them something other than cash but i will say painting still a weird gift well if you want to give me a picasso i would accept it all right more movies that he was in flubber flubber was a fantastic movie i don't think i ever saw flubber i'm looking at the little uh thumbnail of it and it looks awesome yeah they like invent this little like floofy gingerbread jello character who like makes things fly around it, it's a good movie it was it's Definitely a children's movie. Loved it as a kid. I um, I really don't want this to come off negatively, but he's such an interesting looking person. He's not your typical A list star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's interesting because sometimes you have comedy actors who are like, noticeably kind of funny looking like frank from always sunny what's his real name danny devito is like yeah, comically looking kind of plays into it kevin james with the paul blart like the, the big funny guy sometimes i feel like mm. you kind of have a funny look to you and then you have the opposite where you have the very good looking brad pitt like classically good looking yeah. i feel like robin williams is kind of a mix where he's kind of good looking but he's also just kind of interesting and quirky looking yeah, in his own yeah, he's he's good looking, but in his own way. He's easy on the eyes, but he's not typically good looking. Like I think about yeah. um anybody who plays Superman, they're just like classically good looking. Mm-hmm. Or even Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is just he's easy on the eyes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Paul Rudd is definitely not classically good looking. But it plays. It plays. Uh, and then you can't not mention when you talk about these great films, Goodwill Hunting, which I think he does mm-hmm. win like a best supporting actor. Correct. And one other thing about Robin Williams is he's very good at improvising and he, you know, would do improv comedy. And so in Goodwill Hunting, there's a very famous scene where Robin Williams is talking about his ex wife one of the things he misses about her and that, you know, really gives him the warm and fuzzies is his deceased wife. When she was sleeping, she would fart. And one time it woke her up and he just told her it was the dog and him and Matt Damon are cracking up. And there's this hilarious scene. 
Mm-hmm. That was not written. That was just Robin Williams improvising and you get this gold, which is like really speaks to kind of his raw talent. Yeah, absolutely. His improv improvisation <clears throat> his improvisational skills were unmatched. Yeah. Unreal. <clears throat> And then he was in stuff like Night at the Museum, you know, as like very supporting roles. Movie called little movie called RV in two thousand six. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Happy Feet. Ooh. He lended his voice to Happy Feet. Is that the classic Smile and Wave, boys? Smile and Wave. <laughs> no, that's Madagascar. Mm. Da, 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 da. Like he's tap tiptoeing, like tap dancing. Da, mm. da, 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 da. And then there's um, <laughs> Have you not seen Happy Feet? I recommend you watch it But Yeah, is it Penguins? I'm, I'm glad it's okay Yeah, it's, it's Penguins Okay, and I don't know they, So the whole premise of the movie Is that they're Penguins And they have these beautiful singing voices But Happy, something happened when he was born That made it so he can't sing And his, his singing voice is horrible so, but he dances. <laughs> so it's all about just like enjoying the music, but he's doing it through dance whenever, when everybody else is singing. And then he's ostracized at the beginning and then he comes back and it's this big heroic thing. It's really a great movie. And then at one point they go and there's this guy who's like this religious deity and he's wearing this um, like religious necklace thing and it's like his ne- necklace from the gods and it's a six pack plastic thing you know those six pa- for cans yeah he, had yeah. It, he has it like attached around <laughs> his neck it's happy feet it's a really good movie no and it, it sounds heartwarming and apparently penguins were all the rage in the early 2000s penguins were hot oh yeah march of the penguins yep that that's that's quite the film yeah not many animal documentaries make it to the big screen but the penguins they were able to pull that one off shout out shout out when are we gonna save the penguins um hot take (laughs) is pollution for the ocean good because it gives penguins a necklace and makes them more (laughs) Religious? What, I you, what I thought you were going to say was hot take. Are the penguins worth saving? <laughs> Which is another question. Maybe we don't want to save the penguins. I mean, what bird doesn't fly? Why are we saving a bird that can't even fly? Like, get yeah, but, out of here. But penguins can do awesome tricks and stuff. And they, their swimming is unmatched in the bird world. Yes, so, it's a good point. Our, our penguins just beaked fish. <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm a huge fan of penguins i see where the craze comes from do you do you do you really like looking at the penguins at the aquarium when you go when i go to the aquarium every time i just stand with the penguins and i just make up stories for them in my head and i'm like well this one's gonna go over and fight this one because they really do they go to fight each other they're trying to mate they're in gangs this is fantastic. Um, 
I would love to go to the aquarium sometime with you and, and hear some of these hypotheticals. Yeah. But yeah, I would say, you know, when I'm walking through the aquarium and I get to the penguins, I'm, I'm going to take my time there. It's going to be a, a longer stop. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe some stops and goes, they put some, uh, they put some interesting tags on them. So you know, which ones are, which, and a lot of them are mated. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And very familiar yeah. with the penguin, with the penguin exhibit. It sounds like it, but yeah, I think we hit on the, most of the big movies. Yeah. He, he was a big movie star. Look it up. If you haven't heard of him or if you haven't seen him in a movie, I recommend you go watch it because he's really good. So find some yeah. movies that Robin Williams was in and go watch them. And if you have seen them like we have, then uh, you know exactly what we're talking about because he's he's just such a unique character. Yeah, he's just in a lot of big movies. And so also during this time, you know, as we kind of alluded, in 1989, he married former nanny Marsha and they have a daughter named Zelda and she is named after the video game. Yeah. He was a big video game person. Yeah. Which was like another kind of surprising fact tidbit about Robin Williams, hardcore video gamer, but I feel like he just has an addicting personality. Definitely. Yeah. He definitely went all in, into stuff and yeah, we get that vibe. And so as we mentioned earlier, in 2006, he does relapse, um, and his family, you know, kind of gives him an ultimatum and, and helps him get into rehab. Um, but but I do think, and I don't know if he relapsed again after that, but it led to his divorce with his second wife. And in 2009, he has open heart surgery. Around that time, he meets Susan, who will become his third wife. And I think she also had experience with rehab and, and could relate to him on that level. In May 28th, 2014, he's diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Yeah, that's Parkinson's, tough, tough yeah, draw. Tough draw. Very tough, tough disease. It's like a, a brain disorder and it leads to a lot of shaking and stiffness and you kind of lose control of your body, but your mind's still working. Um, and so then you can lose the ability to speak and kind of control a lot of your movements, but yet your mind is still functioning. So it's almost like you're in a prison in your body is one way to think of it. It's a very tough, tough yeah, horrible diagnosis. Horrible, horrible disease. I always feel like we always just run right up to when somebody dies and then we just like, we're like, and now their death. Yeah. And uh, Robin Williams gets sad. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And Robin Williams death, you know, very public. He dies in 2014 at the age of 63, the same year he got diagnosed with Parkinson's. It was a suicide. uh, Very sad. I don't know if, if we want to go into the specifics, but no, I think it's okay. I think we can leave it where the, the information's out there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they found him the next morning when, you know, they were looking for him and no one had heard from Robin Williams. Very sad. I think he's kind of 
in a way, uh, example and one of the first ones you think of where, you know, someone can be very excited and happy on the ins- on the outside, but there are times on the inside when they're really struggling and he dealt with mental health and sadness through a lot of his life. And it probably, and you know, it probably played a role in his addiction. And also I think after his death, he was diagnosed with something other than Parkinson's, right. That contributed to his uh, contributed to brain degeneration, cognitive degeneration. Uh, what's it called? I'm going to look this up because people should know what it's called because I'd never heard of it before. It is a uh, Louis body dementia, which is, um, so it encompasses both Parkinson's disease, dementia and dementia with Louis bodies. And they're saying that, um, he may have had Louis bodies, which are known to really push the depression, anxiety, paranoia aspect of the cognitive degeneration. So, yeah. And the symptoms don't come up as fast as Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So one little fact I heard about Robin Williams, and it was uh, popular on the interwebs, was that whenever he would take a role, he would require the production company to offer a bunch of jobs to like the local homeless population. Really? Yeah. I didn't which know so- yeah. Um, which sounds great. When I tried to like validate if that actually happened, it seems kind of uh, up in the air, whether or not he actually had this requirement. There's no like documentation, but I do think it comes from somewhere. I think there's been maybe some people who validated it regardless. Is this one of those things where he like gave a homeless guy a sandwich and it telephoned its way to now where like if he was going to be in a movie, he required that the director personally hire 20 homeless. I don't, I think homeless is not the correct word anymore. It's, um, there's a new word for it. Uh, house displaced. Yeah. Displaced. I think it's displaced. Um. People yeah. without housing, homeless people, people don't use the term, don't use vagrant or derelict. But I, you know, I think that story comes from somewhere. He was known to donate to St. Jude, make a wish. Um, and I mean, I always thought he kind of had that image of like this good guy. Mm. Going to use that word again, deep. Um, you know, had a lot of depth in his personality and view on life and all that. And I was thinking maybe we could end the show with um, some of his quotes because he and uh, let him yet again entertain us. Wow, that sounds amazing. All right. This one's a bit of a joke, but he says, divorce is expensive. I used to joke they were going to call it all the money, but they changed it to alimony. <laughs> that's I don't think that's a quote. I think that's literally just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some uh, here's a quote. Sometimes you you got to go specifically out of your way to get into trouble. It's called fun. 
Wow, that that one was great. Do you think God gets stoned? I think so. Look at the platypus. <laughs> when I was growing up, they used to say, Robin, drugs can kill you. Now that I'm 58, my doctor's telling me, Robin, you need drugs to live. I realize now that my doctor is also a drug dealer. <laughs> Spot the lie. I like this one. The human body was designed by a civil engineer. Who else would run a toxic waste pipeline through a recreational area? That's good. Uh, time is the best teacher. Unfortunately, it kills all its students. Wow, that's deep. That is deep. <laughs> Reality is a crutch. <laughs> Reality is just a crutch for people who can't cope with drugs. Uh, some of these are pretty funny. He really has a lot of great quotes. Oh, yeah. Oh, this, this is a classic. Um, see, the problem is that God gives men a brain and a penis and only enough blood to run one at a time. <laughs> when in doubt, go for the dick joke. <laughs> That's what and I this, do. Yeah, and this is something I noticed traveling abroad, which we did together for a little bit, is dick jokes are everywhere. And in every country, someone is drawing dicks on the road, under the table, in the bathroom. Just dicks are a universal language yeah it's true and somebody just getting like hit in the dick is just so funny <laughs> like an un like a just an unexpected crotch shot <laughs> it's just like it's the universal language for laughter yep another quote which i feel like kind of fits his personality you're only given a little spark of madness you mustn't lose it mm, i like that and so with that quote, we end the podcast on Robin Williams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>